real news. Welcome everyone to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is March 26, 2020. And it's Thursday. This week feels like forever. And it's not because we're closed up or cooped up, but because of everything that's happening, it feels like we're dragging our feet. Things are going on slowly. And, you know, we have to admit it. The feeling that all of us are getting, it has nothing to do with coronavirus. It's the infodemic that we are living right now. Nobody across the planet has any idea what's going on. Is this real? Is this fake? Is it as deadly as they say? No one's providing data. That's the one thing we can be sure of is that we don't have data at all. In the meantime, business as usual for the U.S. government in regards to prosecuting, pushing forward, and getting things done. And also social media silencing. Yesterday I was um, locked out of my account. Just so you guys know, those that follow me on Twitter, I was locked out of my account for exhibiting behaviors that are automated. So now they're going to tell me I'm a bot. Um, now the only thing they want to do is confirm your phone number, apparently, and then you're fine. Well, they can't. Because the thing is, what people don't know is that these text messages to confirm your phone number are actually requesting data back from you to confirm what kind of device you have. So even though I've clicked on it, send me a text, send me a text, it's not coming through because my device is actually secure. And I actually got my service provider to verify that indeed I did not get any text message. They're not even seeing it come in because they can't. They're just not allowed to because my device is secure from providing its device address. Uh, that's because Twitter actually keeps note of your device address, not only to blacklist the, the whole device from being able to access Twitter, but so they can remotely access information from your phone. Don't believe me? Ask Alice. I mean, I'm better than her anyway. So... I'm going to be on Facebook on my Tory Says page more. I'll be posting there as if I'm tweeting until customer service decides to get back to me and tell me how they can alternatively uh, check who I am. Uh, so that way I can go over this hump and see where we're at. Because, you know, they have to... Obviously, I'm not getting their text messages, so there has to be an alternative method uh, since it's not available. I don't want to have to send out a specific email, you know, that I'll get from someone that says, hey, what are you doing? Like, I still can't tweet. Um, you know, I'm not a bot. I'm a person. They can ask me for my ID. I'd be more than happy to share that with them. But, you know, I'll just wait. In the meantime, I just wanted to let you guys know... <laughs> when they ask you to confirm what exactly they're doing, just so you know. Now, um, moving forward, there's like so much that we should talk about. I mean, the president tweeted out, whoa, congrats, America, 96 to zero. And I'm like, why is my president praising that they have just inserted, you know, the new impeachment plan in there? And I think everyone who understands that is thinking the same thing. Is he nuts? Like, what is he doing? Why is he saying this? But remember, he always praises those, um, you know, 
that he wants to expose the most. In the meantime, today, in other news, military tribunals are looking to be going full speed ahead while judges are being fired. Well, recusing slash retiring from Gitmo. We'll get to that. Uh, We also had a new report uh, from... The, was it the university? Was it the university? Uh, yeah, the University of Alaska, Fairbanks, uh, created a report saying that, you know, and we've been waiting for this, and this has to do with the judge too, right? That uh, Building 7, the World Trade Center, you know, the 47-floor building, uh, was not, okay, and I say this, was not actually destroyed by fire. So we'll get to that too today. Um, we're also going to talk about the Syrian Lebanese guy, Tarek El Aysim, Asami Asim, Tarek Zaidan El Aysami, Mada. Do you know who he's friends with? You want to take a wild guess? Super wild guess. Take a super duper wild guess. The Clintons. Well, anyway, he was just designated. Uh, he was just announced in an indictment against Maduro in Venezuela. Uh, but we'll get to that. Did you know that he was Syrian Lebanese? Mm, it's pretty interesting, huh? How Venezuela has Al Qaeda trainees from <laughs> from us from back in the day. But we'll get to that too. Uh, but what I want us to talk about is what I tweeted that made me automated. So yesterday it dawned on me that this whole coronavirus narrative that's going around seems to be nothing more than an impeachment scam. And hear me out. I'm not saying that the virus doesn't exist because it's taking out some really big boys. I mean, look, we had, you know, Harvey Weinstein isolated in a cell and, oh, coronavirus. You know, we have Prince Charles, coronavirus. We have Queen Marguerite, coronavirus. We have all these royals and cardinals in in, uh, Rome and and the Vatican and Milan, coronavirus. So um, it's obviously there and it's obviously doing something and it's obviously got a lot of people's panties in a twist, but it's not affecting us. Now, a lot of people are like, well, I've seen videos. Nobody cares. It could be Steven Spielberg. It could be crisis acting. I'm asking you, who do you know in your close proximity that did it? And what kind of person are they if you do know them? Uh, But having said that, uh, you know, sometimes we really don't know who we're around. And I'm speaking for experience on that one. Uh, But This is something we have to actually think about. The response is to kill the economy. Uh, The president can't sit there and say, well, this is all hoax. I mean, you guys are overdoing it because then they'll be like, oh, my gosh, we need to like 25th Amendment him right now because he doesn't think it's serious. And look at the world going crazy. Yeah, the world is going crazy because they're like, wait a minute. Did someone really go there and release a bioweapon? Are you kidding? Like, what's going on? China's not talking. Russia's now closing their borders, right? Turkey's not talking. Europe's not talking. Africa's not talking. Saudi Arabia's not talking. And it's like, okay, can someone tell us what's going on here? Nobody knows what's going on here. The only thing they see is that people very high up in ranks of the cabal (laughs) globally are going insane. In the meantime, the U.S. military, U.S. justice, and Space Force launching today are moving along just as a normal, normal day. And in the meantime, 
we have the Pepfar clowns, uh, you know, Pence, uh, Fauci, and Burks saying, hey, we need to like um, check all Americans. We should swab all Americans. Yeah, put every single American's DNA on your database. Okay. Sounds like a plan. Uh, no. So SARS has been around as a uh, coronavirus SARS has been around for a very, very long time. It's the type of virus that kind of like lurks and exists and learns. Um, and that's because coronavirus is itself as a virus, as a template is highly designer. I've said this again, you can make it to have high efficacy for specific things and specific people. Hmm? It's not bats. Chinese have been eating bats for 20 years. Okay, <laughs> 20 years, <laughs> more than that. I'm just saying they've been eating bats for 20 years because, well, it was less than 20 years. The last time I was in China and yeah, they were eating bats. I ate a seahorse. I thought it was a lollipop because it was like shiny and red. Um, they eat roaches, crickets, rodents, frogs, you name it. They eat it live or dead. Um, so they've been practicing that kind of culinary, you know, um, those culinary escapades, as one would say, for so many years. But now it decided, oh, it's from bats. Actually, maybe this coronavirus has something to do with bats, like vampires. But I wanted to talk about this infodemic because it's going on all fields. We're not just talking about the global mainstream media talking rubbish, snap, 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 snap. Our senators, snap, 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 snap. Talking points, you know, whatever everybody's saying. But... It is more important on the fact of uh, just among the people. You know, we have certain groups that we get into where we all think the same, talk the same, and work the same, right? And we all have conversations and interact. This is what we do through social media, through our groups, uh, through our forums, through our tan boards, uh, through Twitter, through Instagram, whatever it may be, right? Snapchat, whatever. And you're seeing that there are deliberate attempts to draw out and create, um, follow the leader. We shouldn't be doing that nowhere. We shouldn't be doing that ever. And if someone was to be leading, you know, if a group of people, let's say me and another eight people decided to have a huddle and, you know, we want to remain anonymous so we don't get locked out. So we're, you know, totally incognito, but we can drop things, you know, that are falling along the lines of classified, but not classified and demonstrating time travel. Um, you're not going to sit there and put any face to the name, are you? And the reason you won't do it is because it's the anonymity that piques the curiosity and continues on for the search. And also because then your method is exposed. You would never expose your method. So this is just basic, you know, basic stuff. So having said that, having said that, I want us to just, um, Look at what the president's lawyer tweeted out today after the president said, oh, 96 to zero. Good job, America. He even said, this is insane. What is Pelosi doing putting all these things in there when it should be the people? And this is why I'm not on Twitter, but I'm hoping all of you are saying to the president, no, veto, just cut the checks. Just cut the checks. I mean, I'm going to go to my mailbox and check if he cut me a check. 
I'm going to go to my mailbox and look because I want that check. Because uh, like many of you out there, I'm looking for it too. Hours reduced, right? All these things are happening, right? We're all in the same boat. It's not just a few people. So I wanted to um, let people know that there's a lot of things going on um, in the background that we're not very aware of. And there are a lot of counter operations too. I mean, right now we're looking at, you know, how they're orchestrating to make people dissidents and to target them and make them, you know, I want to say bad people. I can't say that. Can I, it's not bad people, but anyway, let me shift gears on that one. Let's go straight to um, a few clips that I've lined up for us to listen to together. So the first one that I wanted to get to, which one was it? Let's see. Was it this one? Let me see. It was, ah, it was McCarthy and um, what he had to say about the debate on the stimulus bill before the House votes. Take a listen. From one of the most contentious partisan periods in the nation's history to passing this rescue package 100 to nothing. Hours ago, the Senate unanimously passed the two point, I think, two point two trillion dollar stimulus relief bill for millions of Americans impacted by the coronavirus. No one has not been impacted. That relief package now heads to the House. So what can we expect? Nobody, no better person to ask uh, than Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, who joins us now. Kevin, the ball yes. is yours. Ninety six zero from the Senate. Where does the House stand on this? Well, I believe the House will pass this bill. We want to make sure we're able to read it. The final text did not come out till last night. Remember the size and the scope of how much money this is. So we will take the opportunity to read through it today. We will vote on Friday, tomorrow in the morning, but the floor will look different. Remember where we are today. We have a number of members who have the virus on both sides of the aisle. We have a number of members who are quarantined. We have challenges for flying here because some flights are being canceled. So you might not have the full body, but you want to make sure you have the debate and those constituents have their voices. It will pass, but this time, not with the unanimous consent with no debate. We'll have a debate and then we'll have a voice vote to bring it up and move it to the president's desk. Unfortunately, we have wasted this entire week because the Democrats wanted to put in their election law changes, bail out pensions, put the Green New Deal. We were able to keep that out, but they did put some more funding for things that don't deal with coronavirus, but we will still get this package that is needed for the hospitals, right. for, the, for the small businesses, to keep people employed. That's the key part here. And every day matters, so we want to get this done quickly. I love the fact there's an incentive. These are loans. These are grants. Unless you do not uh, effort to keep 90 percent of your employees, then they become loans. You got to pay them back. So there's an incentive to keep people in, in, on the job. I love that. The, when you're coming in, people might be thinking to themselves, OK, that's a Republican coming in, criticizing a Democrat. But you're actually being 100 percent accurate with no political agenda. Nancy Pelosi came in demanding mandatory early voting, ballot harvesting, provisions on EPA standards over the next 20 years for uh, airplanes, Planned Parenthood financing. And she did get some stuff, but not all the stuff. What did that do to the money that the American people are waiting for? 
Well, it's very frustrating because if you are a small business owner, and that's what I was, you're sitting around a kitchen table right now trying to make a decision, do you lay people off or not? What this is, this is help on the way. When this passes, you can not only just get a loan, but if you keep paying your employees and paying your rent, that portion of it is forgiven. You don't pay it back. It's the incentive to keep America working because so many millions of us work in a small business. And for a larger business, meaning that you have more than 500 employees, we're going to provide you the loan guarantee, but we also have a tax incentive in there where we could pay up to 50% of your employees for those two months. We want to keep America working. That makes us stronger, but we also deal with unemployment insurance. Now, the one thing about Nancy Pelosi there, she didn't get that stuff in the bill. She plussed up more money for things that weren't dealing with coronavirus, but that's the pain that we had to put up for three days of not getting this bill moved. Right. Uh, she did get $25 million for the Kennedy Center. Think about how that would have benefited hospitals. Also, small businesses now have to stay out of union organization efforts. So she got that. What does that have to do with anything to do with this package? They're real quick, uh, Congressman. They're saying they're going back for a fourth and fifth. Senator Blumenthal, among others, says what we didn't get here, we'll get on the fourth and fifth rounds. Are we expecting two more rounds of trillion dollar uh, rescue packages? You know, I take a deep breath. We've just now passed. This would be the third bill. Let's let this work. Let's let this work inside America. Because I know the ingenuity, the intensity, and the inspiration. We can overcome this. We have now given the resources to make and solve this problem. We don't need to be crafting another bill right now. Let's let these $2 trillion go to work for us, plus the $8 billion ahead of time, and the billions of dollars that we just passed on the second bill. Yeah, we just have to find a way to get secure remote voting for Senator Thune and the other and Senator Rand Paul not to be able to participate uh, in the big picture in the in the year of 2020. I think we can handle that. Uh, But for now, let's get through this week and we'll hopefully get a passage on Friday. Leader McCarthy, thanks for telling us the latest news. Appreciate it. Thank you. And remember, we will overcome this and we will be stronger. Uh, yeah, I don't trust that because, see, they omitted the part where there's a new an oversight committee, the new impeachment fallback plan uh, with full subpoena powers to see if the president responded to the coronavirus correctly. So what are they going to do? Are they going to say that he overreacted? Are they going to say whatever? Well, yesterday, just as I was doing a live roundtable mid- meeting with Millie Weaver, um <laughs> Millennial Millie and I were talking and I was like, dude, they're going to start impeaching him. We're going to see whistleblower things. We were talking about this all day. I was like, I'm just waiting for it because I know it's coming. And boom, HHS whistleblower saying that President Trump tried to get involved in this whole coronavirus thing. So only medicine can combat, uh, you know, the coronavirus threat. As they say, right? This is what they're telling us, that the only only modern medicine can really help and we should all stay out of it. But the question you have to ask yourself is, why aren't we getting this done faster? And why isn't this bill getting faster? You know, the House is taking up, let's let's put it this way, the House is going to take up this whole bill thing and they're going to have to vote on it and they're all missing. And the question is, with the way that they structured this bill, how fast are people going to get their money? Take a listen to what uh, <laughs> what was said. 
question, maybe for our viewers. They hear $2 trillion, big number. Uh, obviously, there are a lot of industries are going to be helped. They need it right now, but it's the workers who need it most. How quickly do you think you can get checks out? Forget about the $2 trillion. People are wondering about the $1,200, the $2,400 for a family. And we're hearing reports this could take weeks. It could get complicated and bureaucratic. Are you worried? How quickly can people get the money? I was told uh, two to three weeks. And, you know, one. uh Two to three weeks. Rent is due next week. Two to three weeks. Are you kidding? Are you listening to that? Two to three weeks because they wanted to make a legislation for it. The bipartisan agreement is the working man needs help right now. And that's what that direct check uh, assistance is designed to do. Uh, but we think uh, within a, a matter of weeks, uh, people will have the $1,200 for children, 500 uh, But I think, Ed, the most important provision, uh, in my judgment, is a small business loans that involves uh, both the loans and the tax provisions that can help small businesses stay afloat mm-hmm. with cash flow and liquidity so they don't lay off all these workers. We're trying to get through... Really, the next, uh, some say 15 days, I say two months, really, of a crisis uh, where we can keep them afloat so they don't go under. So that when we do rebound out of this crisis, uh, these companies will still be in existence and the jobs will still be there and people will not be on the streets. We no, also They have- are going to be on the streets starting April 1st. There's a lot of workers that don't have rent. This is ridiculous. This is why I'm going to go to my mailbox and hopefully I'll find a check. You know, President Trump likes to just do stuff. And I'm really hoping that that's something he just did. You know, that he went above everybody's head and cut a check, cut a check and sent it to the people directly. No, this is ridiculous. Oh, let's make a bill. Now, this morning I was very, very occupied because there was a teleconference that happened uh, between the G20. So I have been scouring the Internet across the world to see tidbits that are coming from this in regards to coronavirus and what the discussions were. I can tell you that from a fly on the wall, I realized that none of the leaders that participated felt confident that any information was actually exchanged that was valuable that they didn't already have and all of them are still confused but i can assure you that our nine eyes partners are very aware of what's going on we are very aware of what's going on and all we have to do is think how many cues are sitting out there quietly secretly in the background focusing on all of this I mean, it's not like the president could come out and say, dude, they're all hoaxing you. They're hoaxing the whole world. There is a virus. It's really bad, but it's not that bad. But they wanted to blow this up to make me look incompetent and demand for things like respirators. You have to ask yourself, what is going on? What is really going on? And we're all confused, right? No data, no nothing. And G20 broke with more confusion than anything. Like, I I can't wait to see the president's conference at 5 p.m. I want to hear him say, hey, guys, check your mailbox. You should be getting your checks soon. That's what I want to hear. That is exactly what I want to hear. This is exactly what he has to do. And that probability is, is at a 42% now. And it is looking like an alternate stream is coming, which I do not want to see. Rent is due next week, guys. Your bills are due next week. Some of you can't even pay your cell phone bills. Hey, you know, we're all in it together. We are. We're in the same place. Unless you're making over 350000 a year, you're stuck. 
there's people where there's one person that's, you know, um, uh, self-employed, they have their own business and another one that has like a part-time. I mean, you can't even go to your part-time job now. You can't even do that. I'm, my hours have been severely reduced and I'm like, dude, I work remote, but that's because they're not conducting interviews or things that I do normally because of coronavirus. So this is a repercussion, right? Goes back down. I mean, the building that I go to completely shut down. They're pushing things to the other side. I mean, like what's going on? I can't even enter my building because there's businesses there unless I can, you know, obviously the police officers or whatever that are there know I live there. So it's no problem, but they screen you. Um, are you sure you have any business here? You know, what are you doing here? You know, it's like, okay, you're obviously new. I live right there. I have to go through those doors. Okay. Let's see. Do you have a key card? You know, this is, this is where we're at. We're being monitored of where we're going, what we're doing. We can't even leave our house to go get groceries without being questioned, complete Gestapo. And for those that are self-employed in California right now, you know, LA mayor said, if you're not an essential business, according to what we say is essential, obviously weed and alcohol are, but a mom and pop shop on the corner is not, then we're going to turn off your electricity and your power like ASAP. Your crunchy coffee shop that, you know, you did and you created, you know, your knitting, you know, shop, your goat yoga, whatever they have in LA. I'm just saying that are not considered essential out the window. They're turning off your power and your water. Like that's ridiculous. That is Gestapo level. So how's the president going to come out and say, well, you know, everyone's overreacting. Yep. 25th amendment. They're still going to 25th amendment him (laughs) with this oversight committee. Crazy. I'll see you in a bit. All right. Welcome back, uh, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I just want to give you a reminder. If you thought 9-11 was bad, <laughs> this tops it. And you're going to see it pan out. I don't know how we're going to roll it out. And how do we tell the people, all these people that are suffering from PTSD, that are, you know, drinking fish tank cleaner because they want to be safe, that are freaking out? You know, I, I'll tell you what. I went to the pharmacy to go pick up um, hydrogen peroxide um, because my kitty had an ear infection and I wanted to, you know, bootleg my own kind of ear wash, right? <laughs> and I am, you know, a smoker and, uh, you know, I walked all the way, you know, it wasn't much. It was like half a mile. Um, when I got out of the CVS from the warm air to the cold air, I inhaled it, choked and coughed. Guys, it was as if I was wearing a yellow star on my jacket. People looking around like, shut up, dude. I'm a smoker and I'm fat. So I'm going to cough. But it like people are scared to go out because they're like, what if I cough and they collect me? I'm dead serious. This is not a joke. People are paranoid. People are freaking out and there's no reason. And then meanwhile, Chinatown in New York is having their festivities and people are like, they're not practicing. So it's probably because the Chinese know what's up. And we're still how many weeks behind? And the thing is, the president can't even do. He has to entertain and dance. How's he going to tell you, guys, I went with it because they were going to call me crazy. You know, a lot of us are going to be like, dude, I totally get it. I totally get it. 
I get it. You had to play their game. You had to dance and tango with the devil. I get it. And use this opportunity to get them elsewhere. And that's exactly what we're doing. And under the guise of this COVID, uh, there's some really serious stuff being deployed and people are just not seeing it. And that's okay. Because then you'd get it and you'd be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he didn't just come out. I voted for him to tell me the truth. It's like, man, like I've said, the truth is sometimes stranger than fiction. I mean, you know, <laughs> you can't fathom it. Uh, it's, it's impossible. It's outside of the realm of anyone's reality. So just leave it alone, right? Just go with it and trust him. I trust him. I trust him 100% or else he wouldn't have been where he's at. I trust him 100%. One trillion percent. I mean, if I only knew that time when I was a kid running into him and him patting me on the head and saying, good job, come find me for a job when you're older, that I would then cross paths with him. Guess when? Nine eleven, of course. And, you know, again, on a happenstance to cross paths, it's, it's as if, you know, it just so happened that we were crossing paths and it was totally au naturel. Like, yo, what's up? Yeah, whatever. Who cares? You know, and small talk done. As a kid, you know, it was more, wow, I'm impressed. This kid asked to give the homeless guy a job rather than just five bucks. Good thinking. Find me when you're older. Like, how would I have guessed when I was younger? It's a story of fiction that's just... Uh, anyway... You guys all know that I love Tucker Carlson, even though he's over the top sometimes. There's a six-minute segment that I want to play for you in regards to what he's saying about media pundits trying to discredit the anti-malaria drug that you, my listeners, knew about before anybody else did. Take a listen. Distancing may slow the spread of this pandemic, but they will not beat it. No emergency orders from our leaders can save us over time. Only medicine will stop this threat. Our only hope is science. At the moment, thousands of doctors, lab technicians, chemists, and biologists are working to create effective treatments for coronavirus. At some point, they'll likely develop a vaccine for it. That could be a year from now, though. In the meantime, researchers are taking a second look at drugs already in use for other diseases. And there have been, we're happy to tell you, some promising developments so far. Favipiravir is a Japanese antiviral drug that's been used to treat influenza, among other things. An early clinical trial in China showed improved outcomes for those with mild cases of coronavirus. Remdesivir is a drug originally created to fight Ebola. Scientists say it has shown promise too. So have lopinavir and ritonavir. Those are two HIV drugs. All of these medications are being studied right now in a major international trial. It's being overseen by the World Health Organization. Here in our country, a drug called hydroxychloroquine has received by far the most attention. Hydroxychloroquine is most commonly used as an anti-malaria medicine. You may have taken it if you traveled abroad. It's been approved for use in this country for 65 years. It is cheap. It's considered safe. A month's supply of it costs about 20 bucks. So in a lot of ways, hydroxychloroquine is the ideal medicine. If it turns out to be an effective treatment against coronavirus, things will change fast in this country and for the better. Is it an effective treatment? We don't know that. Scattered reports from healthcare providers across the country, including in New York City today, suggest that it may be. It's currently being prescribed in France, where at least one study suggests that it works. In an interview yesterday, Dr. Anthony Fauci said that, quote, of course he'd be willing to try hydroxychloroquine on coronavirus patients if he were treating them directly. A patient in Florida credits the drug for his rapid turnaround. More trials are currently underway, including one in New York, the epicenter of the outbreak here. 
And actually, this is how science works. It works incrementally in different places at the same time, and in the end, effectively, if you let it. At the very least, we should all be following developments in hydroxychloroquine's use with interest and measured hope. Why wouldn't we be? Well, here's why. Donald Trump is for it. Several days ago, the president expressed confidence in hydroxychloroquine as a treatment for the epidemic. That was it for the media. If Trump is for it, they're against it, even if it might save American lives. What reactive children they are. And they immediately began a sustained push to discredit the drug long before the clinical results were in. CNN ran a story accusing the president of, quote, peddling unsubstantiated hope in dark times. NBC News parroted the line, blasting Trump for selling, quote, false hope. Is it possible that your impulse to put a positive spin on things may be giving Americans a false sense of hope? No, I don't think so. Representing preparedness right now. No, I don't think so. I think that uh, I think it's got the not yet approved drug. Such a lovely question. Um, Look, it may work and it may not work. And I agree with the doctor what he said. May work, may not work. Uh, I feel good about it. Well, in the midst of this propaganda blitz, a man in Arizona died after eating fish tank cleaner that contained chloroquine as an ingredient. And that was it. Suddenly, the president himself had all but murdered this poor guy with some quack medical cure called chloroquine. Here was CNN's description of it. A game changer. That is how President Trump describes the anti-malarial drug chloroquine. It's now one of 69 drugs being investigated as potential treatment against coronavirus. The problem, it has not yet been approved. And in Arizona, one man has died after an apparent attempt to self-medicate with that drug. So during the course of that segment, by the way, Cena never mentioned that the man ate aquarium cleaner and not medicine. They lied about the substantial, in fact, the central facts of what happened because they thought it might advance a political agenda. Then they informed viewers that Trump was also killing people in Nigeria. John, after President Trump touted the use of chloroquine as a possible treatment for COVID-19, three Nigerians have overdosed from that drug, according to Nigerian health officials. Now, keep in mind, this isn't a tax bill they're lying about. It's a potentially life-saving medicine that we are desperately trying to evaluate in the middle of a global pandemic. And it's not just CNN that's doing it. Consider this Bloomberg news story from last night, quote, Chloroquine, no better than regular coronavirus care, study finds. That was the headline. And it sounds definitive. Why are we wasting our time with this crap? It doesn't work. But take a look at the details inside the piece. The story turns out to be based on an article in the Journal of Zhejiang University in China. The Chinese study in the article considered a total of just 15 patients, 15, who've been given chloroquine. It seems like an awfully small sample for a legitimate study. And in fact, the story does concede that it was, quote, the results of the study weren't statistically significant. Researchers concluded that additional studies using larger numbers of patients are needed. In other words, the story doesn't really tell us anything. So why is Bloomberg News writing about it? Later in the story, you learn that in contrast to the protocol in that tiny Chinese study, doctors here in the West are administering hydrochloroquine with antibiotics. And that combination, the two of them, hydroxychloroquine and antibiotics, appears to be effective. And that raises the same question once again. What exactly is the point of Bloomberg's so-called news story? The way the Chinese used the drug had nothing to do with the way we are using it here. The study is irrelevant. Writing about it doesn't illuminate anything. It misleads. 
That's the point. They're manipulating you. This is what happens when science becomes political. Suddenly people start lying and you can't trust anything you hear. That's a very dangerous thing to do at a moment like this. The truth is essential. Just yesterday, the governor of Nevada, Steve Sisolak, issued an emergency order that banned doctors in his state from prescribing hydroxychloroquine as a treatment for coronavirus unless it's administered in a hospital setting. Now, Sisolak is a politician. He's not a doctor. But he didn't hesitate to pronounce the drug, quote, unproven as a treatment for coronavirus. Well, that's true as a technical matter. But doctors prescribe medicines in new ways all the time. It's called off-label usage. It's legal and very common in places where Democratic governors don't decide to micromanage the details of medical care. So why did Sisolak do this? His statement suggested that hydroxychloroquine was somehow a threat to public health. But the real reason was likely the opposite of that. The governor was afraid of running out of it. Pharmacists across the country have reported a large increase in requests for the drug. Some of the requests have come from doctors who appear to be stockpiling it for themselves and for their families. This resulted in shortages. That is a problem, and it's a problem for a number of reasons, including because the drug is also used to treat chronic diseases like lupus and rheumatoid arthritis. But there's one thing that it does prove conclusively. Donald Trump is not the only person who thinks hydroxychloroquine might be effective. A lot of practicing physicians think so, too. Our leaders should be clear about that. And yet many of them are lying about it at a time when we are desperate for the truth. The thing we need above all is the truth. Yes, we do. That's what we need. But we're not getting it, you guys. They're not giving us any facts. We are not allowed to have any facts. Remember that. We are not allowed to have facts. We are not allowed to know what is really going on. We are supposed to just sit there and take what the mainstream media is telling us. This is what they're telling you. This is how they're telling you you should be responding. Now, I don't know if any of you got to see the live stream roundtable with Millie um, Weaver yesterday on her channel on YouTube, Millennial Millie. But, um, you know, I sat there and gave statistics in regards to Italy. Like, I, I know a lot of people in Italy, a lot, especially in the ground zero area off, you know, uh, by Milan uh, as well. And uh, northern, northern, you know, Tuscan, everywhere, everywhere they're saying people are dying. I know people. And... You know, no one's seeing any crazy funerals. No one's seeing anything happening. They're not seeing any bodies. Hospitals are not overrun. Guys, I went to med school. I have friends that are doctors. None of them are being overrun. None of them, uh, almost all of them are supposed to be testing people for coronavirus, even though they're, you know, old, probably congestive heart failure. Uh, everyone's being tested and they're sending it off to a lab. And guess what? They don't get to see you know, the results except for positive or negative. So where is this lab? Where is this data going? Because they're conducting genetic assays of people. Where is it going, you guys, in a database? Why? To identify you. Your DNA, you can't change that. <laughs> They'll find you. And then, you know, if you want to go to real dystopia, the next time you go to the pharmacy where you can't see the medication, you can't hold someone accountable, there'll be a certain cohort just for you tailored to what they call personalized medicine. Uh, the president yesterday during his announcement said, listen, you guys, we don't need to be testing 365 million people. All of them shouldn't be. And Berks was like, we should just test everybody. No, we shouldn't. 
because I don't need my kids. Well, one of them is already on there because they're serving the country. Mine has been on there since like forever and a day. But I'm just saying for those of you that aren't, you know, military families, right, that don't have your stuff in a federal database anyway, you know, why would you want to be on a database where people can search you and find you and manipulate it? Your DNA is your specific identifier and it tells someone everything about you what you eat what your parents ate what you look like what you're prone to get how sick you can be what disease you're more possibly going to get and your memories <laughs> don't believe it uh, that'll come soon it's way beyond my time but that uh that should be coming soon the one thing we should add is what actions are is this team taking and what the democrats are telling you so this is why it's important that we listen to pelosi who was streamed just about an hour ago and what she had to say in regards to testing for for coronavirus Take a listen. Deaths in the United States, 900 yesterday. So I don't know what the number is today, but they're saying nearly a thousand deaths in our country. Stop. Do you know how many people die in the United States daily? The average, just with no coronavirus going on, the average is seven and a half thousand people a day. Okay. That's every couple seconds we get someone dead. So the question you need to ask yourself is if these people have been money laundering federal tax dollars, if these people have been using other nations to weaponize them against us to, um, you know, fail in their coup to tell you, uh, you know, no vote for me. I've been in office for, you know, over 30 years and I promise this time I'll do something. Those people that have been lining their pockets with your hard earned dollars, those people that were slipping in raises while you're looking to get relief, they're putting in raises for themselves. What makes you think that they're not laundering the deaths? How do you know for a fact that this person who was 86 years old and had congestive heart failure succumbed to COVID-19? You don't. What about this patient that had a pneumonia? You don't. Oh, maybe it contributed because they tested positive. And who's, who's saying that they tested positive? Oh, right. The PEPFAR group that has control over the laboratories that are doing it. And this is why they dropped the whistleblower report because it's like someone from the Trump administration was poking around trying to ask us questions as to who's doing the testing and that they wanted to see it. Let me tell you something. You know what President Trump needs to do? He needs to get someone like me. <laughs> someone sort of, well, everyone, she's like a Trumper. I'm just saying, science, man. Run that stuff. Let's take a look. Stop putting out misinformation. Grab random people. Don't, don't random people, pluck them, pluck them, pluck students, pluck them and let them see, let them take tissue samples, let, let them take serum samples from the dead and tell them, run it and tell me what you see. Let them. That is how you get the answer. But, you know, whistleblower report. Anyway, let's take a listen to what Nancy has to say, which, by the way, she's looking really, really rough. Tens of thousands of people are we have tens of thousands of cases. Uh, this is a, a pandemic that we haven't even seen since over, for over 100 years in our country. It's really such, tra such a tragedy. So we had to take important action. We had to take action, though, that puts families first and workers first. And that's what we did when we did our first legislation. The first two bills were about addressing the emergency directly. 
$8.3 billion for research for vaccine for, for um, a, a cure. And that's, of course, the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, but uh, funding for testing, 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 very important so that we know uh, we can take inventory of the, of the uh, challenge that we face and, more importantly, that we can address uh, each family's concerns about this. Uh, the next bill was about masks, 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 so that we can test, 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 among other things. Emergency. The bill that we that was passed in the Senate last night and that we will take up tomorrow is about mitigation, mitigation for the, all, all the loss that we have in our economy, uh, while still addressing the emergency health needs that we have in our country. And next, we'll go from emergency mitigation to recovery in terms of where we go to grow the economy, uh, to create more jobs in light of the uh, reality that we've just been through. Uh, so right now we have the legislation uh, that will come to the floor tomorrow. I, can, I anticipate and feel certain that we will have a strong bipartisan vote. And we take some pride in the fact that, as I said earlier, uh, the Dem congressional Democrats in the Senate and in the House were able to flip this over from corporate trickle-down Republican version to bubble up worker first, families first legislation. Uh, so again, uh, we have some other things we want to do, but first we want to take pride in what, uh, what happens there. For workers, we were able to get, of course, extended and expanded, uh, expanded, extended from what the Republicans wanted, and expanded unemployment insurance. Uh, this is so very, very important. Of course, in terms of funds that go to major corporations or companies or anyone, uh, the uh, direct condition is that, for example, with the airlines, that the money, have a, the money that is given to the airlines is given to the workers directly, just a pass-through. It goes directly to the workers and has some conditions on uh, for other money that goes to any of these uh, companies that they have no buybacks, no dividends, no bonuses, all of those kinds of concerns are so offensive that happened uh, before with federal funds infused, infused into their uh, entities. So, so we're very happy about all of that. One of the differences, as I said, we, their corporate downward bubble up from workers, I think was demonstrated last night. Can you believe that almost, I think it was every Republican, I think 40, 49 Republicans last night voted in the Senate to deprive those on unemployment insurance of the additional $600 a week. How could it be that in this time of stress and strain and uncertainty about health and lively, life and livelihood uh, that they would vote that way? But I think it does demonstrate the point that I made, that not about workers first, but the bill got to be there. And I thank the Senate Democrats for using the leverage they have with the 60 votes. Uh, I take pride in what we had in our House bill that is in the Senate bill. Now, so for workers and for families, with all three of our bills, we have put families and workers first. Uh, the um, uh, it, we again, uh, I hope that the the UI will. Right now, we want people to take advantage of all of this quickly. Uh, the UI will depend on how the states do it, and they're not all uniform. But we want people to know 
exactly how they can benefit from that, and we're putting that all together so all of our members on both sides of the aisle can know uh, how they can facilitate uh, enabling their constituents to take advantage of the opportunities there. So again, uh, the bill last night and, and tomorrow will be a large infusion of funds for hospitals, uh, health systems, and state and local governments. We want more, uh, and uh, was, this was a big, strong state, but we need more. Uh, small businesses, I'm so proud of the work of all of our chairmen. They were just dazzling in their knowledge, their strategy, their, their, their just the... Uh, their, their experience in getting the right kind of bill passed, even though, again, compromised, uh, compromising, not getting everything we want, but recognizing that. Compromising when their goal should be us, when their goal should be their constituents. That is what she's saying, that they're compromising. Compromising for what? What you wanted, what you needed. Why are you creating oversight committees to investigate how President Trump deals with this? How is it that <laughs> you're putting in raises for yourselves? Why is it that we're, uh, you know, funding NPR? What has NPR done for us? I don't want to pay for them. They're rubbish. They're just a propaganda mouthpiece that is actually outlined in the NDAA that Obama nicely signed. Like, when are we going to undo all of this stuff? We can't right away because we need to remove these idiots. And there is a, a, a sense that I'm getting, uh, you know, while I was listening to her, I was uh, putting through some calculations just and if they actually put through this bill for this oversight committee, I believe that the people that are supposed to be part of this oversight committee will no longer be in office and this will be uh, a win-win. But we should never underestimate because under that timeline of the acceptance and under that bifurcation to the fact that, uh, you know, Schiff and the rest of them are coming down. Again, I've already told you the connections on that one and how that's panning out and how Maduro, the funding with the cocaine, you know, we had Mina. Panama, and now we have <laughs> Venezuela, where, uh, who was it? Dang, uh, dong, uh, I forget his nickname, but anyway, he's, he's lost a lot of money in gold and oil in Venezuela. So has Pelosi, by the way, with her transport containers that she has. Now, after the break, we're going to come back. We're going to um, visit a few questions that Pelosi answered because I need you to listen to her answer so you can see where they're going with this and understand what I'm telling you. I am not saying that this coronavirus does not exist. It does. And I am telling you there are many versions of it that are highly specific. And this has proven itself. You're seeing who's getting sick and you're seeing who's going paranoid. But, but... This was a plan that was to be effect if they had successfully impeached to collect us in gulags. But now they flipped it on trying to demonstrate that he is incapable of actually responding to an emergency. This was their impeachment idea. So we're going to talk about how coronavirus is now impeachment again. And if they fail with this, they've got impeachment tucked into this bill that's supposed to help us. I'll see you in a bit. Real news. 
Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So I wanted to start this show like I always do, live 12 to 2, right? Um, But I wanted to start this hour, which is usually the hour that I kind of reflect on what we've talked about. Now, I tweeted out that coronavirus is a scam. It's an impeachment. And, uh, you know, that's what caused me to be automated, right, according to Twitter. But I want you guys to understand that if this was as serious as it is, then they wouldn't be taking three weeks to get us aid. If it was as serious as it is, then they wouldn't be slipping in raises and Planned Parenthood and, you know, let's fund NPR and, uh, you know, let's uh, give people digital credit so we can show them that they are not worthy of a dollar. This is a time that all of us need to reflect I've said this before, this caught a lot of us with our pants down. And for me, it's circumstance that caught me with my pants down. But think about it. People like Mark Cuban, you know, Ellen DeGeneres, uh, you know, Pelosi, Schiff, they can all ride this wave because they've got cash stashed in a wall somewhere. They've got people that wait on them hand and foot and they can draw from your bank anytime they want. It is time to realize that this is a sham. And I've been saying it. Yes, our elderly are most vulnerable, especially to the flu, uh, let alone COVID-19. I told you guys that the biggest threat that was to come was AI and China. I did two days, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day to warn because this is what was going on. I've been telling you I time travel and you could take that as you wish that I have my own TARDIS and I go that I can tap into the lay and see everything. You know, how many times does something have to be told until we understand it? Take this time to understand where you stand, where you stand and where they stand. They stand on top of you. They are stepping on your neck. They are making you beg for things. They have ceased the economy and don't care. And they will never care. This is the time that you look after you. You do that nice deep clean in your house. You get back to educating your own kids. And I've kind of slacked off on that, to be honest, these days. Because I have been very busy trying to do what? Do my part as being the debt slave, right? Do my part in trying to figure out how to do things. Meanwhile, I'm being cyber attack left and right. Um, you know, it, this is one of the biggest hoaxes I have ever seen. If you think 9-11 was bad, this is worse because we have joined forces per se, not, not that we have, but all nations have joined forces to push us into that new realm of socialism globally. They have taken this crisis and they are making as much, they're, yeah, they're making headway as fast as they can. But in the end, nothing can stop what's coming. And this is where each of us have to support each other. Each of us have to be there to understand each other and reflect on what we can do. Do you know how many chicks out there right now are staring at their soy boy guy with his skinny jeans thinking, damn, can he hunt? Can he provide? Can he fix a leaky faucet? 
Will he be able to go out to the river and get a you know bucket of water? Does he know how to clean water? Basic things of basic survival. We realize just how dependent we are on others and how dependent we are on the state. All of us, every single one of us, we realize that we are not in control. And that is why we're feeling this panic. It's not because we're scared to walk outside. God created you. You can fight anything. And if you, you know, worship the temple that you're housed in, which is your body and you give it what it needs, it can fight anything. I mean, people survive the black plague. And I've told you why that happened. Why did it happen? Mass migration, right? People bringing in things from other nations that, you know, they're immune to, but you're not. That's what happened. That is exactly what happened. It's science. You know, lies and stories have many uh, versions. The truth is just one flat line, the truth. And if you look at it, from a position of taking yourself out of the context and what, try this. I urge you every time you come to this, because this will help you unzip that portion of your DNA to see this, but remove yourself from the situation. Be as impartial as possible. Be a spectator. And it all makes sense to you. This is impeachment. This is how they decided to use their weapon of mass destruction, which is to fuel fears and panic in order to round up all those that speak against them into a weapon of causing you to fall into pain. Think about this. When you panic, do you think? I'll tell you what. There was one time that um, my family was chopping wood in the backyard with an axe. And I was standing in the kitchen by the door petting my dog and suddenly, you know, my eldest runs in with the little one. Oh my gosh, mom. And, and the little one's pretending to cry, but not looking at me, you know, and I'm like, what just happened? I didn't see anything. I just assumed someone cut their hand off. Guys, I stood there shuffling left, right, left, right. I couldn't think. I, 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 I panicked. I was just like, uh, 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 and, 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 you know, then my eldest just to, just to mess with me was like, there's so much blood and further panic. I couldn't think I couldn't move. I was just like, uh, 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 uh. and then I heard the little one giggle. Thank God. But, <laughs> but that is where you're at right now. You're panicking. Uh, I can't do my hours. I won't be able to pay my bills. Uh, I can't do my hours. I won't be able to eat. Uh, I can't do my hours. I won't have the internet or my TV or my phone or my car or my insurance or, 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 or I can't go get my medication because I don't have it for copay. These are all things people are thinking about. That's panic. Because how can you focus on your Zen? How can you say, you know what? Forget this. I'm going to go soak in the bathtub with some nice little essential oils. I'm going to put on a movie and I'm going to kick back and I'm going to relax. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, you know, wax my legs. I'm going to 
put cream all over me. I'm just going to sit down, smell flowers, maybe do some paper mache or, you know, scrapbooking, or maybe I'll knit or crochet. Maybe I'll make that meal that I want to. Let me get that tasty app. Ooh, that looks good. Let me try it. Uh, maybe I'll reorganize my books. Maybe I'll write that book I want. Maybe I'll, you know, start a YouTube channel where I'm talking about video games. Maybe I'll start playing video games. Maybe I'll do this. There's so maybe, maybe if I had time. Well, now you have time and you're forced to have that time. And you have to understand that you can only stress about things you can control. At this point, you can't control that because you're in a position where you can't take command of what's to come. Like for me, I can't plant a garden, right? I can't go buy a chicken coop or get, you know, chickens to make me eggs, right? So that I can eat if I don't have money. I can't do that. There's other people that can. You know what? I'm just going to go buy a $10 chicken and let it roam around here and I'll just use this cardboard box as a coop. So that way I can get some eggs, something, right? I'm just saying, these are the times that we have to sit and reflect upon ourselves and trust and have faith. Because... It is faith that got us to the point where we have a man in the White House that is really trying. And you have to understand that he has the devil at his feet. Those that make the biggest movements are surrounded with all the serpents at their feet. That's how the story goes. And this illness that's coming around is biblical. It's specific. It's serpent-like or serpent-specific. This is where you have to sit back and just think, how do I, as a person, take this and learn more? Learn that language you wanted to. I mean, there's so much information available. I mean, I'm learning Korean from watching those Korean films. Man, those Koreans are creative, right? Um, uh, you know, write, write, you know, look for outlets to do things. Don't be consumed with fear. Get out there on Twitter and social media and call it a scam. Tell the president to veto the bill. Tell him to just veto it and cut us a check. Do it yourself. We don't need them. Listen, we are in charge. They are not. They are making you feel like they're in charge. And boy, do they have the upper hand right now because you are suffering. You're waiting to see when they're going to give you that hand and that help. And like Pelosi said, compromise, compromise. You should see how she answers some questions from the press. I want to play some of these because you will understand exactly what they're doing to you. Take a listen. These are needs that people have. This is not, this is all, understand this about this. It's really important to know this. This is all about the coronavirus. It's not about anything else. It's about the coronavirus. So this is temporary for this period of time. And, and it's important to know that because people say, well, why should we do it? Because of the coronavirus. It's a public health issue, and we have to keep people as healthy as we can. And, and family medical leave is one way to do that. And then some of the other issues that I meant, that what they're getting tested, then they should have not to pay a high copay for the other services that go with that, go with that test at this time. When we're talking about um, the, uh, of course, the, the direct payments are directly related to this. So, but but just to that point, we. Um, 
We want to engage the public in that discussion. The timing is interesting because I see the Senate said they were leaving until the 20th of April. I guess that's after uh, Easter and Passover. Uh, I think everybody has to be on call for what we need when we need it, and we don't know what that might be. But whatever it is, we'll be ready. Is that allowed? Question and a half. Do you anticipate having unanimous support from your Democrats tomorrow on this bill? Yes. Well, I, let me say this. Yes, she already knows. She already knows because it's 1981, 82, 83, 84, 85, 86, 87, 88, 89, 90, all of it. Think from when this all started. Think how it gets pushed forward, all of it. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. Think of how many people right now have been appointed, appointed slash elected. So when you're recruited to not serve you because they're not serving you. She says, oh, this is all about the coronavirus. Is it though? Is it? You know, there was a nickname I had, (laughs) the Greek key, probably because I was Greek. But funny story about that. Um, I remember I was uh, looking for some documentation. This is a fun story. And I was in some armpit of the world and I was looking at documents, tons of them. There were 23 of them. And I was looking at all sections, all 23 sections. And as I was parsing through all of that information, I had found that there was a nine, there were nine sections specific that should have been applied to what we were doing. And I didn't understand at that point as to why those were overlooked. I didn't understand why they were skipped. I mean, how did we go straight to 97? What happened to 87? You know, what happened to 82, right? Why are we skipping over? This is the question people need to ask. And so as I was thinking, maybe I should say something. Instead, what I did was I accidentally, you know how when you print papers and you're like, all right, this is it. This is the list that we're going to go down and we're going to see which one ticks the mark. So they're always single-sided, just so you know, when they're printed. But it was always on the back right on the back that people would take notes. And I made sure that on every single document, all nine of them, I had the section that I believed was on there. And what I did was when it would come out of the printer, I would pull on it. So it looks like a mistake, you know, so it's not evident. And I made sure that the most, the person that was most in charge that I believed understood things, you know, could see that. But no one, no one, you know, no hiccup throughout the whole meeting. No hiccup. I sat there and my job was to observe after distributing the materials. And all I got was like, damn, you're some kind of Greek key. And I was like, funny story. And actually, uh, when I left um, one project that I was doing, I was actually um, 
a gift that I got was a necklace that was a Greek key. It was, it's really special to me too. Um, so I thought that was a really, really, um, fun fact to throw around because this is going to come into play, um, on, on decrypting with specific keys, uh, what is to come. So, I told you that one day when I'm able to, I'll talk to you about, um, and in general, Central America, South America. I mean, Barr isn't the only one that had drinks with Noriega, you know. Um, there's a lot of other people. But here's where we get into the much-anticipated final report that was issued, right? It was issued yesterday, Greek Independence Day, might you, that the World Trade Center building in New York did not get destroyed and that's about it because the uh, the report from the university made it clear that the 47th so the 47th floor building was that was the third skyscraper to completely be destroyed in 9-11 collapsed rapidly and symmetrically to its footprint this is from the report and investigators from the National Institute of Standards and Technology concluded that the World Trade Center 7 was the first steel-framed high-rise ever to collapse solely as a result of normal office fires. So they said, oh, you know, this has never happened, but yep, because of fires, this steel building did. Contrary to their conclusions, the University of Alaska, Fairbanks research team, finds that the World Trade Center 7 building on 9-11 was not caused by fires, but instead was caused by the near simultaneous failure of every column in the building. Kind of sounds exactly what that one individual Former intelligence who was in the basement of that building said that there were explosions at the base because that is the only way you can collapse columns. So this actually was published by the University of Alaska Fairbanks yesterday. At the same time, at the same time, just a military Guantanamo Bay issued a letter that he is retiring. He notified the chief war court judge that he could still preside to court until April 24th. And he took terminal leave. You know what that means? It means like I'm taking all the leave that I've occurred until I leave. Specifically in his note, he said, it is my duty to inform you that I have submitted my retirement from active duty in the United States Air Force with an effective date of July 1st, 2020, with terminal leave. My last day of active duty service as a military judge will be the 24th of April, 2020, giving my impending departure from active duty, it would seem prudent, to detail a new military judge to this case. What case? Ah, the 9-11 case. Which, by the way, he's the one that has been seeing this case from day one. Air Force Colonel Shane, oh, William Shane Cohen, Shane Cohen, you know those extra names I've always told you, because he goes by W. Shane Cohen, because it's William Cohen. But, you know, you can't have that on document. You got to pick one name or the other, depending on what face you're wearing. He had set that there would be jury selection coming up in for a date to be held in 2021 of January. 
Oh, so convenient that this was postponed after the elections, just in case they could get away with it. But it turns out they're not. This is what it's telling you. No matter what they're doing, they cannot stop what's coming. This is all the proof you need to understand it. A new judge is needed. Excuse me. This guy has been on the case for 20 years <laughs> since it happened from day one. And what's the coincidence of such a report coming out and this judge resigning? So Colonel Cohen is the third military judge that has been on the 9-11 pretrial hearings where five defendants face the death penalty for, right, for 9-11, that has left. Guantanamo Bay is really popping right now, I'm just telling you. So he leaves within 30 days. And uh, the chief judge, Army uh, Colonel uh, Watkins, um, has to name a replacement, right, Izzy? Sessions, where you at? So there's a lot going on here because this also includes that there's, that we have contractors from the CIA, <laughs> Jessen and Mitchell, you know, they're the psychiatrists, psychologists, whatever, that haven't fish, finished putting their suppression motion for testimony. So they want to put forward to suppress testimony. Why would the CIA want to do that? Pretty interesting. So he's this guy, just so you know, he got commissioned in 1998 and um, that was the day he graduated from law school too. And he's been on this case from like day one. So you have to think that the shutdown of the legal team across Gitmo because of coronavirus um, has put um, off the whole trial. So they decided... We're in Guantanamo Bay. Everyone that comes in and out is highly regulated. But the judges decided, okay, we're going to put this trial off to January 2021 now because coronavirus. Wait a minute. How are you going to get coronavirus if you're in isolation? How is it going to come in there? I'm confused because not a lot of people have access to Guantanamo Bay. And if they do, I'm pretty sure they're screened. So, you know, that is... Something that all of you should be thinking about right now. Wait a minute. Oh, it's just a coincidence. Of course. Of course. Total coincidence. Hey, Jeff Sessions. Nice to see you again. So... Here, you know, everything is coming down. We have the Justice Department today announcing that they stopped the new Mina Mina, which, is be which was being run by Venezuela, which was also, you know, the way these clowns and these idiots like old, uh, you know, crypt keeper Pelosi would line their pockets with drug money because that's how they make money. Drugs that fuel humans, that fuel everything they need. And if you actually read the indictment, they talk about having sealed indictments from 2014, 2013. And you have to wonder, well, if all of this was known during the Obama administration, why hadn't they been unsealed? Why hadn't we put executive orders in place to suffocate Venezuela, which is funding these rackets? Oh, I don't know. But here's where it comes down to circling back to General Milley. 
Cartel de los Soles dispatch processed cocaine from Venezuela to the United States via transshipment points in the Caribbean, Central America, such as Honduras. Now, think, is it cocaine? Because we rescued a girl from Honduras that was undergoing insane torture. Are you saying that they, what, she was a sex slave packing Coke bottles, right? Oops, did I say bottles? So, no. You have to think. Think jewels. Think inhaling. Think pens. Think fluids. Think more specific drugs. The State Department says that 250 or more tons of cocaine were going through or from Venezuela per year. <laughs> Venezuela. Colombia is the highest producer. So hold on. Are we talking about cocaine? I mean, we got to tell people it's cocaine, right? And all you have to do is see who was in charge in Venezuela that they didn't touch. And his name is Al, well, Tarek El Aisime. Oh, totally buddy, buddy with the Clintons. I can tell you about that. Uh, he was born in um, Venezuela. He's, his father is Lebanese. His mom is Syrian. Uh, you know, he has five brothers and sisters. Uh, he began as, um, he was, wait a minute, what was he? He was, he was the in, Minister of the Interior and Justice in Venezuela. He then was like heading the governor of Aruba, I think, or something like that, or some representative, uh, Aragua, and I said Aruba. Um, and he's actually the vice president, was the vice president of Venezuela from 2017-2018. Obviously still is because, you know, Maduro still thinks he's in power. So these are the things that we all need to be focusing on, like what is really going on. So... ICE has put, you know, the former Venezuelan vice president and the current minister of industry and national production. Um, that's what he is. Uh, Tarek Zaidan El Asaim Mada and his co-conspirator, Venezuelan businessman, San Marcos e. Lopez Bello, to its most wanted list for international narcotics trafficking and money laundering. Huh. No wonder they look starved. Because as we're all freaking out, we've got, you know, a Syrian Lebanese that was to succeed Maduro. You know, he was the one that was to succeed Maduro. This was announced before President Trump was actually sworn into office. Because a crisis had emerged in Venezuela when Congress had voted to impeach Maduro saying that he was unfit and, you know, that he's not doing his job. So this vice president, El Asemi, which is Syrian-Lebanese, was the first in line to fill the slot by the Congress there. That's incredible. Now, in law, the vice president was to be president for the first two years after the impeachment um, before they can make him full-term president. This is, this is pretty, pretty insane. So you need to understand that this LSE Mada is a drug dealer. He's connected highly with Iran, Hamas, Hezbollah, and he's very anti-Semitic. And, you know, he calls anyone that is to refute him just a terrorist trying to harm him. Huh. 
This is where it is. He was Minister of the Interior and Justice from 2008 to 2012 with Hugo Chavez because then Hugo Chavez died after a long battle with cancer after he said that the Clintons and, you know, the U.S. government officials are all reptiles and they're liars and they're fakes and they put me here and they put me in a hole. Then suddenly he gets cancered and he died. You have to remember that in 2009, and I know this for a fact, and actually he was there in 2004 too, he was praised to be the leader of the Syrian revolution. He was the key proponent and fuel to raise up ISIS, the Al-Qaeda arm ISIS in Eastern Syria. Huh. These are the things that the news aren't telling. They should be telling you this. Instead, they're telling you, President Trump says there's a cure. Don't listen. Panic, panic, panic. Don't get out of your house. You're going to die. You know, uh, they're, they're giving you panic rather than what is really important for you to know about the news. News number one, three judges have left Guantanamo that are 9-11. News number two, yesterday, the study found that huh, our own government falsely stated the National Institute of Standards and Technology. Boy, are they on trial too? Because I'd like to see them. They're the ones that told us that steel can be sliced like butter with just fire. That it collapsed so nice and neat with no actual internal controlled explosions, but it was just fire. Are they going to jail? They held this hostage. Man, this thing this this what we're enduring right now is one of the biggest hoax bigger than 9-11 bigger watergate is going to look like oh playground stuff when you get the coup gate but scotus gate will tell us that we're going to get to scotus gate that's going to be fun scotus gate is going to be fun so let's wait for the first arrest bar knows <laughs> he had drinks with a lot of these people clinton's no they got your star boy from Syria. They got your star boy that you planted right to the flank of Chavez. They got your star boy where we need to have your star boy. They should be very afraid. And indeed they are. That's something that no one is talking about and should, but you know, coronavirus. That's what you should be focusing on. That's what they're telling you to focus on. And when the media tells you that you need to focus on something, that's exactly when you don't need to focus on it. That's exactly when you need to turn your head away and say, yeah, so like, I'm going to see what's in the other news because um, this isn't really fulfilling me. I think it's all right. And rubbish from Pelosi just to reinforce that. I'm not asking any, we will have a victory tomorrow for America's workers. If, if, uh, if somebody uh, has a different point of view, they can put it in the record. Uh, but we're not worried about that. The, the other question was, Governor Cuomo yesterday expressed a lot of concern that... Which, which one was the half? That was the half. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Governor Cuomo yesterday said he's really worried about his state budget, that the money in this bill isn't going to go nearly far enough to fill the hole. Other states will likely have that problem. Do you think the next bill, you're going to have to dedicate significantly more, essentially to bail out state governments who cannot do this on their own and can't run a deficit. 
Well, thank you for your question. I did have the occasion to have the benefit of the governor's thinking yesterday. So, <laughs> uh, and I have the enormous respect for him. I think he's doing a spectacular job at what he is doing. And it's, a, it's something we've never seen before. But I also see that with my own governor, Gavin Newsom in California. They, they, uh, they remind me of each other in terms of they're so values-based and they're determined to do the right thing and respecting the dignity and worth of every person. But it takes money. And we have, thanks to Jerry Brown, a, a big budget uh, surplus in California, which is going to be eaten away by this. So it's not a question of bailing out states. It's a question of meeting the needs of the people. And that's our responsibility to do. Uh, he, he, is, he called it a drop in the bucket. Well, it's several billion dollars, and it isn't anywhere near enough, but it's still seven billion, uh, several billion, I think like 5.6 billion, something for New York. The, um, we have to do more. And if we don't face that reality, and um, we're encouraging the states then to give money to localities as well, because they, in our situation, California, for example, San Francisco, provides a lot of the uh, cities and counties provide a lot of the care throughout the country and, and meet, meeting the needs, whatever they are on, on, on a public health issue. So it, 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 there's no question that more money will be needed. Now, can we do it through the Fed and some low to no interest lending uh, to the states? Let's see what they can do. And that was my conversation with the the uh, secretary this morning about I wish it were more uh, required rather than permissive for the Fed to do that. They preferred this route, which I respect. Now let's get it get it done. But let make, make no mistake, the, all the states around the country, we talk about New York, California, look at Louisiana, which is now ground zero for the world in terms of the explosion of, of, of this challenge in the world. And that's, and, and they Reference some of that to Mardi Gras and the rest, but we'll see. I mean, I have grandchildren all over the country, as you probably know, one who goes to school in, in um, New Orleans, so I, I watch that pretty carefully. Well, I watch the whole country. So in any event, the challenge is there. The interest rates are low. The, secretary, the chairman of the Fed, Mr. Powell, said to me, the interest rates are as low as they'll ever be. Think big. Because whatever you borrow to do with this is going to be at the lowest interest. What we did yes, last night and what we will do tomorrow, $2 trillion, is about the cost of the tax scam that the Republicans foisted on the nation to give 83% of the benefits to the top 1%, whatever it was, plus the interest on the loan, on the debt. And debting our kids and their future, paying the bill for tax breaks for the high end. Said it was going to pay for itself. It never does. It's going to create jobs. It didn't. However, this is an emergency, a challenge to the conscience, as well as the budget of our country. And every dollar that we spend is a, an investment in the lives and the livelihood of the American people. We can go bigger especially now the interest rates are even lower than the ta at the time of the tax scam. So it isn't even, it's like I gave you a dime for a cup of coffee. It doesn't cost a dime anymore. It's, it costs much more. Yeah, because their coffers, their pockets are being strained. 
I'm really glad that everyone's picking up on what we talked about yesterday on air and what I talked about the day before yesterday and today. The people that are working really hard behind the scenes don't tell you they're working hard behind the scenes. You have to wait until it's public because that's when the time is to put it together. Nine different sections will be applied to all of these clowns. You know, they love the numbers. They love numbers. They totally adore numbers. And it's only time that we see where the ley lines lie and how we can get everything put together. She's telling you that your children will be indebted. They already are. We're already debt slaves. We talked about that. Here she is trying to convince you that that is what she is trying to put away. This is why she wants you on digital credits. This is why she wants you with no dollars, but digital credits again run by the head funny money monopoly man, the Federal Reserve. This has been flipped on their head and they just don't see it yet. They are planning just as we expect them because we can see the future, (laughs) period. We already know what you're doing because we can tap the lay and we can see and we can hear remotely. And that's the thing. Sometimes we have to get a little bit bolder and expose ourselves just a little bit to Make sure that people are on the right track and that your energy is focused on the right track. As I've said, the only person you really need to listen to is the president. He tells you everything you need to know, but we have to pay attention to what he says. Look at his body, what he's telling you. He made it clear yesterday what their plan was. He made it clear the day before yesterday about ID 2020. He made it clear, and boy... Alice got me yesterday when I exploded it and said, this is not a pandemic. This is an infodemic. They are putting the whole world on fire. And all you have to see is our nine eye partners that were so delayed on closing borders. And now the threat is real. This is why Russia closed theirs. The threat is actually real now because they did take it there. But hey, we got a payload going up today and that is going to fix everything You should watch that go up and then you should watch what the president tells you tonight because he tells you everything there is to know because most of the wars are fought in the darkness and silently that you don't even know because if you knew every battle that has been executed on your behalf, you would probably be on the floor, you know, saying, what can I do for you? Please let me, let me do something. You would be doing that. You would never, ever stop saying thank you. And it's not necessary because everyone's on the same team, right? It's kind of like my kids from a young age, every time they see someone in uniform, what do they do? Thank you for your service. Even to the police officers, thank you for your service. That's the first thing that comes out of their mouth because they know what they sacrificed with their mom in uniform and not did. And this is because they know it firsthand. Ask my children how they felt globetrotting all their life having to change schools every four years. They didn't like it, but they knew that that is what they are doing to sacred. This is why it was a no brainer for my eldest to jump in and say, I, I, I want to do it. I, I'm going to do that because you know, you know, it's not about getting a pat on the back. It's about having, you know, doing your part, leaving that footprint in your, you know, in the sand. And every single one of you right now on social media, listening to me, uh, you know, 
writing, posting, talking, having conversations with your families now that you are closed in are doing just that. You are putting your footprint in that sand. And while generations that are to come will look very, very poorly on us for the past 120 years, they will look very, 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 very poorly on us. You have to remember one thing that I've told you, that you have the right to stand on the right side of history because everything you do right now on the internet will be saved. How do you want your great-grandkids to see you? Well, my grandfather, he was against it and he was all for the free people. He was all for transparency and for advancements. And I am so proud to be part of him. What did yours do? They were waving a dildo. They wanted handouts. They were screaming and yelling in old people's ears. Which side do you want to be on? Oliver Darcy's side? That's a bad one. Hint. What you need to do more now is just listen, listen to your president and carefully listen to what he tells you. Because what he's going to tell you today is setting the tone for next week. Boy, is it going to be rough. And Pelosi kind of gave it away when she said, oh, it's after Easter and Passover. She wasn't talking about the Catholic Easter. She was talking about the historical Christian Easter and the Jewish Passover, which coincide every single year. They never change. They, they go by moons they go, and it's been historically done. She knows exactly what's coming and they have put plans in place. But guess what? Your plan is the same one you did in 1911 with the flu. (laughs) People forget 1911. What was the rollout from 1911? Obviously a little bit slower and they were a little bit more graceful about it until they pushed to those measures after a decade or so, right? Think. This is, you've seen this movie before. The past proves the future, period. All you have to do is listen to yourself and you'll see it. Look back, take this time and look at history. Take this time and really look at history. Like really look at history. And indulge yourself in knowledge because knowledge is power. And keep tweeting veto. Keep tweeting veto. Keep tweeting, just cut us the check direct. We don't need them. We don't need Congress. We don't need the Senate. We just need you. That's all we need is the president right now. We voted for him. Let him do his job because I dare every single congressperson, every single senator that will come after him for cutting the checks. I dare them to try to impeach him for oh, abusing your powers. And not even the dildo waiver will uh, be for impeachment. They'll be like, dude, I got my check and I got to pay my car insurance. I got my check and my cell phone bills been paid. I got my check and I didn't get kicked out of my house. I got my check and I got my medication. I got my check and I was able to get uh, a, you know, a bag of groceries. This is what he needs to do. The people, the people, even the sheep will not be able to support them. Because could you imagine how evil they look? When the president says, well... I've cut you guys check and they're already on their way, period. How is Pelosi then going to say, we're going to investigate how he cut those checks because he abused his power. How are you going to stand on that? You're going to tell the people that open up their mailbox and find a check. You're going to tell them, well, that was wrong. He shouldn't have done it. He should have waited for approval. He should have waited three to four weeks until we implemented. He should have waited until we created the digital currency. He should have waited. Why? My rent's due next week, dude. Why? I... 
pray. And I hope all of you are praying. And obviously, Twitter has silenced me. Hopefully, I'll just use our uh, radio station handle to just tweet out news that are important, but not, you know... (laughs) my usual commentary. I'm lurking on the internet as always to see the news and see how it goes. But, you know, sometimes being aggressive a little bit in what we say and exposing a little bit more than what we should is important in order to marshal direction back to the president. Focus on the president. Focus on him. He is a badass, right? He is. He is the best, the biggest, the baddest beast ever, right? Ha. The best. So do you see him coming out sharp? Do you see him putting out? Mm, well, sometimes you can't hide it. You can see that he's tangoing with the devil right now. But um, do you see him? No. He knows how to play this game. And those of you that are chess players, you know exactly when you're going to do that killer move and you're going to go in uh, for that D5. You need to be calm, cool, and collected for when it comes. So you need to play dumb. You need to play into their hand and you need to parade all of them in front of you and applaud them and say thank you. You thank your enemy, they think they won. That's it. The way you take down your enemy is by letting them think they won. They have lost hard. And Pelosi is kind of getting a whiff of it with her next answer to the next question. Take a listen. Let's recognize that reality. But again, let's do it in a way that stays focused on the kitchen tables of America's families, their needs, their concerns, and how we can, again, uh, meet those needs, as Pope Francis told us, to take responsibility for. Thank you all very much. Thank you. Did the audio just skip over? Hold on. Let's find it. It just skipped over. Gosh, I can't believe it did that to me. Give me a second. Hold on. I'm getting it. There we go. Okay, there we go. Committee, which oversees family medical leave, will be working on that, as will be the appropriate uh, appropriators, Rosa DeLauro, and, and that will work House and Senate, we have the legislation with Patty Murray that they uh, that they rejected, but we'll bring it back. The uh, OSHA is also um, from the, that committee. The OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Health issues, are very important, more important at this time than any time anybody can remember because people are going into an infectious situation. So we'll be having our technological well, by phone and perhaps even beyond that have our meetings to uh, bring that together but in this case um Nance, it's going to be public sentiment because they say well what, why do we need another bill we need it because the health workers working in those settings need it we need it because of a family for example if your mom uh, and uh, bless her heart i don't know if she, she's she's healthy Wonderful. So she's healthy. Isolated. Okay. So if your mom, for example, if your mom were in a, uh, uh, was um, in a day, a day senior health center where they, you take them in a day and they get the health needs and all that and then come home or was at home and uh, had a health care provider in the home. And because of the coronavirus, those two entities, one would close and the other could not come you would be able to take family and medical leave to care for your mom. If your mom's well and she gets the coronavirus, 
you can't take off work to care for her and get family and medical leave because those two conditions were not met. We strove to have them say those who cannot take care of themselves, but they wouldn't accept that language. But it doesn't make sense, does it? So anyway. Do you know why? Those who can't take care of themselves. You mean dildo waivers and people that can't work. You mean people that are too stressed out to work. That's what they're telling you. This is they had put language in there that they wanted in this bill. This bill is atrocious, atrocious. And I cannot believe that it was 96 to zero. I mean, of course, I'd expect Hoven to vote on it. I would. But it is ridiculous. Uh, you know, it's so horrible. And, uh, you know, you need to listen to what Pier Peter Navarro just came out like while I was busy and, uh, you know, talking to you. You need to listen to what he says about the White House corona efforts before we get into this whistleblower report by the HHS against uh, President Trump, because uh, that's incredible. Uh, already, they've already started. Oh, whistleblower report. Oh, President Trump's not doing his job right on coronavirus, setting the tone with that, you know, that new committee that's in the legislation to teach the president. <laughs> They're so predictable you guys they are so predictable these people are sick and they're stupid too because you see it i see it you think the president doesn't see it come on let's be real we all know what they're up to we all know what they're saying and we all know that they cannot stop what's coming you know they want to uh they also slipped in the whole mail by mail-in votes you know because coronavirus no identification necessary well let's not forget we got sense is 2020. Let's not forget, you'll get door knocks in May, coronavirus or not. Since you're at home, we know you're home. We're going to find you and you're not getting a ballot. So let him slip it in. But the impeachment portion is the concern that I mitigated that will be then flipped. And I'm telling you now as retribution for being, what, what, what do they say? For being critical of the president. And they're going to use lawyers that you're paying for, by the way, and you're going to be really upset about that. How could they use lawyers that I'm that, that, that that's for them, but I'm going to pay for it? I don't want to pay for it. I don't want to pay for their lawyers. Well, yes, you are. You're paying for who's trying to claim that he's immune. There is no immunity, buddy. There is no immunity. They're infiltrating uh instead of invading us. <laughs> infiltrating. Listen carefully. Infiltrating. Ha. Huh. And this is what we need to focus on, the infiltration. That's what you need to focus on. You need to remember what it means to be an American. You need to remember why those people fled Europe to establish a nation here, independent of the totalitarian monarchy of the crown. You need to remember that we must defend our rights, no matter how crazy the other person might be. And you must be in a position where you understand that the federal government cannot invade you. They cannot infiltrate your life and they cannot mandate that you and every single one of you get tested to be put on a database. This is dangerous territory, really dangerous territory. And the only way that we can mitigate this is by being vocal and by standing true and by acknowledging that whatever happens 
to one, it happens to all. Whatever happens to one happens to all. Now, maybe you could do a little bit of digging on what Greek keys do and uh, where that term came from. Obviously, you guys know its shape. But did you know that it was for a specific door? Did you know that? That it was actually a shape created by the Greeks for a specific door? I kid you not. But it was a specific play by L-E-Y is what I mean. And um, hopefully soon you'll understand what that means uh, as well. Before we go, I just want you to hear Navarro and what he talks about, this $2 trillion stimulus package. Pennsylvania Avenue, that's good. Well, here we go. Here on the screen now, 3.3 million people filing for those jobless claims. That is a new record, Peter. As our economy has come to a near standstill, what is the White House reaction to that this morning? Look, this is uh, to be uh, totally expected because the whole strategy of President Trump is to basically get social distancing so we can combat the virus. We put public health uh, above uh, economics in the very, very short run. So this is no surprise. This is this is expected, and we should. Uh, uh, accept the news because uh, we, we're doing what we need to do to combat the virus, Sandra. And and, and well, it look, seems the market. We it, just it got. Seems the, well, we just got two trillion dollars worth uh, of stimulus, and it's four points of the compass. We're. we're yeah, we got two trillion dollars. Look at all the paper dollar money, money that you're not going to see, and you're not going to see it when you need it. That's the point. So while you sit and focus to have time with your family, I want you to remember that you and your families are safe and God always wins, always. So pay attention to what the president has to say today. I'll see you tomorrow. God bless.